0: welcome home. You are in for something special. God has orchestrated this day thousands of years ago, and he is going to move in a way that is going to blow the doors off this place. I know it. I know it. So we're in a series called Alien. Say alien. Alien. See, we've been a society enamored with aliens since as long as I can remember, right? So let's just, let's just kind of take a poll and cut to the chase. How many here, uh, raise your hand if you believe that there's other life out there. Do you believe that? Yeah, there's a lot of people believe that. See, I never used to I never used to believe that. And then all of a sudden I had a teenager. See, now I'm changing my position. I'm just, it's things are changing for me. So um, a couple of weeks ago, it was funny. It was in the morning and things are, you know, how mornings get with families. And Ava, my daughter, 13 and I kind of, we're going to pass directions in the hallway and she comes up out of her room and she's, my gosh, she had a sweatshirt on and a hoodie on in the morning. I'm like, geez, when did the, the Unabomber move in? I thought she, this, she didn't look right. And I couldn't even see her face. And I'm like, hey, good morning, Ava. And she's like, that's all she did. She just growled at me. I'm like, all right, we'll just kind of steer clear until she gets some breakfast. But aliens, I'm starting to believe. um, It goes back to the days of even like when I was a kid, and you think of the movies like E.T. You've seen E.T., a lot of you, right? You think of uh, the X-Files. You think of the alien, like not a trilogy, but it's almost an ongoing saga of the movies Alien, and then there was Aliens, and there was Alien 3. It keeps going. Alien versus Predator. Remember that one? Then, then Alien, I think there was Alien versus Aquaman, I think. And then this month they're coming out with Alien versus Michael Myers. And yeah, the Halloween edition, my money's on Michael, myself, dude's a freak. But we've always been enamored with aliens. And God, what he's been doing in me through, through calling us to be different, calling us to be like other worldly people, like we're, we're not supposed to blend in with people. We're supposed to live apart. We're supposed to look like an alien. And God has been showing me something, and I shared last week that when I started to get into God's word, he would show me scriptures, and I saw a pattern. And you'll find that. When you get into God's word, you're going to see that God repeats himself. He, he might say it differently, but he's telling, He's trying to get a point across. And God would show me something, and, and he kept saying, we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be set apart. We're not supposed to look like everybody else. If you look like everybody else, and you act like everybody else, you, know, you might not be on the path that God wants you on. And I kept seeing it. And I would read scriptures like... Um, Matthew I'll read it to you in a second out of Matthew the words of Jesus now Jesus is a a guy you're going to hear a lot about today this guy loves you more than you could even know you need to know that straight out before we go any further that Jesus Christ loves you he's God's son and he loves you and Jesus in Matthew one of the gospels which means good news he says this this is one of those scriptures that tells me we're set apart we're to be different he says in Matthew 6 verses 19 through 21 Don't store up your treasures here on earth, okay, where moss eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. No, 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 he says, store up your treasures in heaven. That's what Jesus would say, where the moss and rust cannot destroy, thieves can't break in, they can't steal. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. It's interesting, he talks about, we're not supposed to focus so much on, uh, on this world, but, but we're, what we're storing up in heaven. And then he's made a profound statement at the end. Where our treasure is, our heart, our heart always follows our treasure. And you know where this is really evident to me? One time, my wife Jody and I, it was the first time we ever went to Vegas. Anybody here been to Vegas? Party in Vegas? What happens in Vegas. Right? You know the deal. So we're in Vegas, but this, is gonna, this, isn't, this isn't staying there. I'm going to bring this here because you need to know this. Um, we're in a casino, and uh, we're at the roulette table. You know what that is, red, black, the numbers, the ball goes around. Well, we're there, and we see a couple standing there. and We could tell they were newlyweds. And they were standing by the roulette table, and they have a board that shows what hit last. And the la- the, like the last seven or eight numbers, it was weird, the last seven or eight numbers were all red. So you know black is due to hit. It's just got to. And I watched this guy from across the table grab his wallet, cash, and take out hundreds of dollars, $100 bills, multiple, and threw it down on black. Well, they spun the wheel, red. They take all this money and go like that. Well, he looks at his new bride, I believe, and she's tense, and they're kind of arguing a little bit, and he looks at it, and he grabs more money, at least 3 or 4 hundred more dollars, throws it on red. Black ripped it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to get good. So I got my phone on. I'm like, this is going to be great on YouTube. They were arguing and they were fighting. And he's debating back and forth, debating back and forth. And finally, at the very end, he grabs all the money in his wallet, throws it down. And you know where this is going. Guess where it hit? Yeah, I think I've gotten confused there, but it hit the one that hadn't hit or, or that was hitting and he lost all of his money. And I saw it a moment. This guy not only lost his money, he might have lost his marriage. Might have been the quickest marriage ever in Vegas. Got married the same day they got divorced. It was bad. It was bad. But let me tell you something. When he threw his money down, their heart was in it. Like, they didn't throw their money down on, on red and walk away and say, you know what? If it hits, it hits, whatever. No, no, no. They were watching intently. Their, anytime you, whether you invested a stock, you, you throw it down on the roulette table, I mean, our heart's in it. And Jesus knew that. And sometimes, but sometimes when it, when it comes to money, people get tense talking about it. In fact, a Gallup study, check this out, a Gallup study said that 82% of people would rather talk about anything else other than money. Anything else. Anything else. Sex, life, whatever. You put it in there, anything other than money. But then there's Jesus. And Jesus is so countercultural that he would talk about that more than anything else. Isn't that weird? See, but especially when you bring it up, especially in the church, it gets tense, right? We start checking for our wallets and our purses. Oh, my gosh, you're bringing up money. I remember growing up in the church, and I grew up in a church that um, it was work traditional. So when they did the offering... you know, they come down and these guys, the ushers would have these baskets, you know, and these poles on them. And I swear, these telescoping poles, it's like they went three miles. They just kept going and going. And there's a basket at the end and they just keep going down the aisle and it would hover in front of me. I'm like, I I don't care how long that hovers there. I, you know, he'd poke me with it. I'm like, dude, that's assault. You know, you could could get arrested for that. But they, they would just, and and I remember just the, 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 the thought of the money. But then I think about Jesus and Jesus talked about it like Like, to put it in perspective, Jesus would say, the greatest commandment is what? Loving God and loving others. That's what Jesus said the most important thing in the world is. Yet Jesus would talk about money more than twice as much as love in the word. So why did he do that? Did he do that because he needs our money? Absolutely not. Jesus doesn't need anything from us. Does he do it because he wants something from us? No, no, no. I already told you earlier, Jesus loves you more than you could ever know. He doesn't want anything from you. He doesn't. He wants everything for you. So, I don't, see, people get really tense about this, but I, I'm gonna tell you something. You can, you can rest easy, you can breathe in, rest in green meadows, that's how we got our name. You can relax today, because I'm gonna tell you something. You're gonna leave here, and you're gonna be excited, because you're gonna, you want your pastor talking about the subject of finance and money. You do, because it's something for you, and you're going to see that. Jesus had blessings for people, and he talked about it more than anything else, but we don't wanna talk about it because we're stressed with it. They're, 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 it's tense, Right? you know 78% of people live paycheck to paycheck? 78%. So 8 out of 10 people, 8 out of 10 of us here today, that live paycheck to paycheck. That is not abnormal. That is normal. That means if we miss a paycheck, we're in trouble. We can't make the car payment. We can't make the house payment. This is what's normal, okay? So uh, the average household has $16,400 of credit card debt. That is what's average. Okay, that is what's normal, all right? 80% of people have said they have so much stress when it comes to finances that they can't sleep at night. Or they, have, they struggle with insomnia. That's what, that's what money will do. I've heard it said money will buy you a bed, but it can't buy you a good night's sleep. And that is proof based on what they're saying. It can't do it. So, but Jesus, would talk about more than anything else. But, but I, I, I'll go there. I mean, there's feelings of frustration when it comes to money. I've had them so much in my life. Stress, chaos. Um, and we all, I think, if we're honest, we all have those. But I wanna look at what Jesus says because he doesn't want anything from me, he wants something for me. And the same goes for you too. What's normal? What is normal? Normal is, well, for married couples, normal, when it comes to money, is divorce. It's the number one reason people get divorced, right? Roulette table, you know, they got, I don't know if they got divorced that day, but it might've happened. That is the number one reason. But what if I told you today that God wants to set you free from financial worry? He does. Like, God wants to set you free, and, and, and I don't want nothing from you. I tell people all the time, when my pastor told me one time when I first started coming to church, and everybody, you know, you get kind of tense during the offering and stuff, and we used to pass the plate, and he said, I don't care if you take money out of the plate. And when we started Meadows Church, we, we passed the plates right away, and now we have the vases, of course, but I, I said it. I'll say it to you right now. You need money out of the vase, take it out of the vase. I don't care. I don't care about your money. I love, I love putting the defenses down, but I couldn't believe when my pastor said that. Like, he literally didn't care. Take the money. You need the money, take it. Don't care. Don't care. So when you, when, when, when you kind of put that out there, it just kind of helps the defenses go down. Because money is tense. It is. But, but why would Jesus talk about it more than anything else? Like why? Because he knew that our heart's going to follow our treasure. He knew that. And it's not a money issue. It's a heart issue. I love talking about it. And I promise you, as you come to Meadows Church, you keep coming back, you will love it. You'll be like, oh my gosh, you got to come to church. My pastor's talking about money. You're going to love it. Your friend will run. They'll run as far as they can, trust me. But you, you, that's, that's what it's going to be. If you brought a Bible or mobile device, go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy is in the New Testament. So the New Testament is when Jesus came to earth and after. The Old Testament is before Jesus ever came to earth. Okay, That's the difference. So in the New Testament, the apostle Paul, he wrote most of the New Testament. And he wrote some letters to Timothy. Timothy was his mentee. So Paul raised up Timothy. He was his mentor. He was his leader. He was his coach. Everybody needs a coach. I believe that with all my heart. Paul was Timothy's coach. And Paul wrote some words to Timothy and to you and I. And I'll start in the sixth verse. Listen to what he says. Yet true godliness with contentment, boy, the word contentment is huge. With contentment is itself great wealth. We're not a content people. We're not a content nation for sure. I'm I'm not a content person many days. I'm with you in this. Trust me. I struggle. Verse 7. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world. And we can take nothing with, with us when we leave. That's a big statement. My pastor used to say it this way: I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-hole. Think about that. I've never seen a, purse pull, or a hearse pulling a U-hole. It's interesting because we we put a lot of focus on things and stuff, and I, I'm guilty of this as well. I, I do too. God doesn't and God doesn't mind if we have things. I think we think well, if we're going to be godly, we got to live as a pauper. You know, we got to live under a bridge. We got to sell it. No, no, no. you 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 have the wrong mindset. Remember, it starts in our mind. you got to think differently. God wants to bless you amazingly. I'm not just talking financially. That's minor compared to the blessings he wants to give you in your life. That is minor. I promise you. I promise you. But, but God, he's okay if we have things. I, I may, I've already told you. I already know God wants your pastor to have a Dodge Challenger Hellcat. He wants that for the me. He's told me that numerous times. I'm waiting for him to show me, you know. And people sometimes will ask, Pastor, do my pet, does my will my pet go to heaven or hell? Well, it's called a hell cat. Where do you think your cat's gonna go? It says it right there. Okay? That's where cats go. I'm sorry. Somebody just told me they had like five cats. I'm surprised they're not getting up and leaving right now. So anyway, so but 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 let's keep going in the verse. Verse eight. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. So Paul says, if you got enough food and clothing, aren't you good? And we would say, Well, no, we want more than that. And God's okay with that, as long as what you want doesn't have you. But think about that. We live in a world where many people don't have the food or the clothing. We have that. I think everybody here today, you're going to eat. And some of us, we're going to eat too much. We're gonna, that's where we're going to go today. Everyone here is, is wearing clothing. Say, thank God. Thank God. Thank God, thank God everybody wears clothing. You know, you are. You are. And Paul says, think of how blessed you are. And, but there are people, I, I say that, but there are people in this church, and there are people that will come to this church that really, they, they struggle to the point where they don't know if they're going to have a meal. They don't know if the kids are going to have uh, clothes for winter. They don't know that. So just because we have that doesn't mean everybody has that. But I'll, I'll make, a, I'll make a, a, a declaration to you today as your pastor. And, and this I mean from the bottom of my heart, and this will never change about Meadows Church. If you're part of the Meadows family, like if, you're, if this is your church home, you will never You will never have to ever worry about going hungry, you or your family, ever. You will never have to worry about your kids not having a winter coat, gloves, or a hat. You'll never have to worry about it. You will never have to worry about having a place to lay your head. Because because if we can't take care of the people inside of our church, how in the world are we going to love and take care of the people outside of the church? And that, for some of you, that should just be a relief. That should be like, you know what, yeah, praise God, you won't. And maybe some of you are thinking, gosh, winter's coming up. If you are struggling in that capacity, you need to come and talk to me or somebody at the church. You will never struggle. Like you, will, That should just be like, you know what, I'm always going to get t- as long as I'm part of a church family. That's why, that's why when people say, I don't, I don't need the church, you want to be a part of a church. Why wouldn't you want? You get taken care of. You get loved. You're going to have, we'll give you contentment and more. God's got a word for you today that will change your life. But if you're part of this church family, you will never have to worry about those things ever. And I've told families that. When they call me and they struggle, Pastor, we can't pay our rent. Pastor, we can't make our car payment. And we walk them through that. We go through a budget. We don't just put a Band-Aid on it, but we walk them through it so they can learn how to put those um, guardrails in place to get there. But their kids will never, they'll never go hungry, ever, ever. That will never happen in this church. It never will. Let's keep going. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation. They're trapped by foolish and harmful desires. Now listen to these descriptions that plunge them into ruin and destruction people who long to be rich it's not a problem to want to be successful it's not a problem to want to make more money i have no problem with that i want to make more money i hope you do too but the problem is when we long to be rich just so we can have more for ourselves this is the issue listen to what and the next statement is is huge verse 10 for money is the root of all kinds of evil is that what it said no money is not evil Money's not good nor bad. Money's a tool. We talked about social media last week. Social media is not good nor bad. It's what, it's what we do it with in our hands. We can use it for good or bad. Money's the same way. Money's the same way. It's not good nor bad. It depends on what our heart is, what we want to do with it. But the love of money, let's go back. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money. And some people, listen to this, craving money have wandered away from true faith. Well, it's interesting that Paul would say true faith. That means there can be a false faith, by the way. But if you have true faith, and you've given your life to Christ, and you're walking with him, you can stray away. It says it right here. They've wandered away from true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Because all, all of a sudden, you know, the gift becomes more important than the gift giver. Because every gift is from God. All the money you have is from God. All the clothes you have are from You get it? It's all from God. But the world, okay, let's go back to the world. We're in a series called Alien. So the world, what, what the world will say is, you know, chase the fame, chase the fortune, right? Chase those things because that's what's going to satisfy you. But Jesus, again, so different, so, so out there, so alien-like that he would say, you're, you're on the wrong, you're on the wrong path. You know what the, you know what one of the number one um, career um, choices or wants for teenagers is? To be a YouTuber, Now, now some of you are looking at me confused like you think that's a winter sport. It's not, okay? Hey, you want to go YouTubing? No, it's not a winter sport. So um, it's actually going online and trying to become viral and make some money. My daughter told me this. But I said, Ava, are you going to provide something of value? And she's like, well, I don't know. I just want to go viral. But why? Why? Always ask yourself why behind the decisions you're making. My gosh, the why is crucial. Well, just because I don't care what everybody else is doing. That's the wrong answer. Run from that. Do the opposite, I tell her. But why? Here's why. Let me, an- let me answer it for you. If I, if, if, I, if I put something out there and I get more views, I'm going to get more followers. Okay, well, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? But if I get more followers, I'm going to get more no- notoriety. And I'm going to get more fame. And if I get more fame, then the money's going to come. See? And if, and if I get the money, then, then, then I'll get what I want. Well, let's play it out. Let's say you are a YouTuber and you start to make $30,000. And you've gone viral. And that money's coming in. You know what I can tell you? You'll be making $30,000, and you'll tell yourself, you know what? Once I get to $50,000, then I can get what I want. Then I'll be happy. Then I can get the car. Then I can pay off the debt. Then we can do this. But do you know what's so so weird about the carrot that you're chasing? You get to $50,000, guess what? You're going to say, once I get to $75,000, then then the kids and I can go on the vacation. Then we can uh, get the car that we want. Then this. This is the lie. The lie is that more money equals more happiness. Okay? Again, money's not evil. It's not bad. I tell you, I pray to God every day, God, if you want to bless me with a million bucks right now, in the name of Jesus, be so. I want it. I want it. It's not bad. That's not bad. It's what you want. It's your heart. It is your heart. But more money doesn't equal more. This is what the world will tell you. More money, more satisfaction. This is a lie. And you know why I can tell you that? Because I don't care how much money you have in the bank. I don't care how many toys are in the garage, you will never be satisfied. And you know why I can tell you that? Because you were not created to be satisfied by stuff. You weren't. You weren't created to be satisfied by stuff. You were created to be satisfied by a Savior named Jesus. He is your rock. He is your fortress. He is your salvation. And you can only be met your needs through him. That's it. Nobody else. Nobody else. I promise you, I've chased it. Some days I still chase it. I love to act like I got it all together. I don't have it all together. But I'm desperately seeking the one who does. Solomon, one of the richest kings, one of the richest kings who had it all. Listen to what he writes in one of the books that he writes called Ecclesiastes. This, and he had it. Here's what he says. Those who love money will never have enough. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless it is to think that wealth brings true happiness. This guy had it all when it comes to wealth. You read Ecclesiastes, you read some of the things Solomon wrote, it's kind of desperate at the end. This guy is, is like almost a lost soul at the end, and he had all the riches you could ever want. One of the richest men who ever lived. He said it. it, it so uh, let, me, let me just get to the action points, because I told you last week I want our church to be a, a church of action. Like I can preach, we can get motivated, we can, we can get inspired, in, and that should all happen. That will always happen. But if we don't take action, nothing changes. So the action that I believe that God wants you to take is, first of all, is about gratitude. And to, and to spell it out, be grateful for what you've been given. Because you've been given a lot, if, if you're honest. I was with my pastor a couple months ago. We went to California for a church planting thing. And he told me about a gratitude walk that he's been going on in the mornings. And I got to tell you, I, at that point, I'd been blessed with so much. I mean, but I, really, I, 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 I listened to him talk about it. how He went on this gratitude walk in the morning. And I thought, I want that. I want that. So I started, like in the mornings after I get the kids off to school, I grab Rudy, our little dog, and we go on a gratitude walk, and he's grateful, and he shows his gratitude by peeing on absolutely everything he can find. It's awesome. And I show my gratitude just by telling God, God, thank you so much. And I start to list the things that I'm grateful for. You would be amazed. By the time I'm done with that walk, I get home, and I'm like, my heart is refreshed. Like, like it, it, I don't think as much about the Dodge Challenger. I'm thinking about my God. Am I blessed that you bless me in so many ways? It changes my whole day. So this is what I'm asking that you would do. That you would take action starting this week, and you would start to to express gratitude and stop to show God gratitude. It can be a gratitude walk. It can be a gratitude uh, sit as you maybe read the Word and then show gratitude. It can be in the shower. It can be on your way to work. I don't doesn't matter where you do it, but do it for five minutes. Write it down. That's even more powerful. Do that. It will change. It will change your. It'll change your whole outlook. I promise you. It will set the tone for your day. There's something about showing gratitude, and you know the best time to do it when you, when you, when things are going horrible. That is the best time to show gratitude. It, it a shift happens in your mind. We live in a world that We live in a world of entitlement. Okay, that's the world that we live in. That's normal. But you know what can't happen at the same time? Entitlement and gratitude can't happen at the same time. It's impossible. If you're expressing gratitude, you do not you will not have a sense of entitlement. But we're supposed to be against the world, right? Aliens. Living in a world, acting differently, living differently, talking differently, walking differently. This is what God says. Show gratitude. The world is not full of gratitude. Jesus wants you to be because it will change you. Do you know what? I'll I'll share a story that blew me away. I I, I only pray I can get to this level of gratitude someday. But but then again, I pray I never have to go through what the couple went through. As I was part of a funeral back in Sioux Falls before I moved here, uh, uh, a family that lost a child, a five-year-old daughter, now I can't imagine, I always tell you this, I can't imagine. And if you've ever gone through something like that, man, I pray for you. God loves you. Um, he's got a plan for you. But, but I do empathize with you because the, the, I can't think of much worse things to go through in the world. So this family's walking through this, and they've got these feelings, and they're normal. I mean, they're ticked. Man, they're mad. They're mad at God. They're mad at the situation. And, and they're going through their stages of grief that they're going through. And those are normal stages. They're healthy stages, actually. But they get to a point, and this is after the funeral's done, and I'm talking to the family one day, and and the mom is is talking to me. And and you know what she's saying? This this is what blew me away. Because I'm like, I can't imagine what you're going through. And she goes, you know what, Pastor? We can't imagine not having the five years that we had with our daughter. And we can't believe, you can't believe how grateful we are for the five years that God gave us. And I was just like, I mean, you're kidding me. But what about, the, what about the 70 years you didn't get? They never, they never talked about that. They might have thought about it, I bet, right away after the, the, the thing went down. But when they told me, I, I was just like, you're kidding me. And they're showing gratitude. Well, the five years, do you know how they can do that? Because they understood that the daughter, it, she was God's, and that God blessed them with a the daughter to have on this world. Can you believe that? They, they understood whose she was. They had the gift of raising this daughter to five years old before God would call her home. But they understood. It's a mindset. It's a gratitude thing. How can they say stuff like that? People don't talk like that. God. The world doesn't talk like that in a tragedy. They don't. But God is saying, change the way you think. The conventional thinking is killing us. And when it comes to, like, money, the, the topic that Jesus would talk about, we, most of us would say, if we were asked, are you rich? We'd be like, <laughs> pastor okay you don't go into ministry to make a million okay you normally doesn't happen and most of us if we're honest we would not say we're rich we wouldn't we would not say we're rich we we would look to the warren buffets and the bill gates okay they're rich right that's what we would say but but jesus would say in fact i put down again another study 98 percent of americans say they're not rich. So we're, that's normal. 98% of Americans say I'm not rich. And of the top income earners, when they were asked, how much do you need to feel rich? Like how much would you need? These are the top income earners. They say to feel rich, I would need 5 million. 5 million to, 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 to feel rich. That's what they said. I say, God, again, a million and I'd be good, but we're working that out. So turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I'm rich. I'm rich. I'm rich. You are and, and some of you are thinking, oh, okay, here's, the, here's the guilt trip. Here's when the pastor is going to talk about how rich I am compared to the people in the third world countries and the starving kids and blah, blah. It's no guilt trip. I already told you, I don't want nothing from you besides you just doing whatever God tells you to do. It's a fact check. And what the facts say is this. If you earn 37 grand a year or more, you're in the top 4% wage earners in the world. Top 4%. God doesn't just look at America. God didn't create America. He created the world. Half the world lives in poverty. You make 45 grand, you're in the top 1% in the world of wage earners. Top 1%. And you might be thinking, well, pastor, I don't make 37 grand. I make 30 grand or 25 grand. You're still rich. We we, we have to stop comparing ourselves to our neighbors or to the Kardashians or whatever else we're comparing ourselves to because that's not reality. Reality is the world. But I'll tell you this. As I share those stats with you, again, I'll empathize with you and anybody that's going through a financial hardship right now because I get it. Some of you, I already know the families, you're going through medical struggles with you and your kids, and the medical bills are mounting. I empathize with you because that's hard. So you don't feel rich, do you? You don't feel rich at all. You're like, pastor, you can tell me I'm rich, but I don't really care what you say. All I know is the bills that I'm looking at and the mortgage that I can't afford and the bills that I can't pay, right? The single mom that works a low-paying job for you and the child support that you're not getting, I empathize with that. That's hard. For the college kid working two jobs, you've had to like resuscitate your car like to life five times this year I mean that's hard right that's difficult you don't feel rich but yet think about it if we're honest with ourselves even in all those situations for the most of us we'll go back home and we can sit in front of a a HDTV with a remote in one hand and an iphone in the other the iphone with unlimited texting and data right that's what we have and why I say that is because we have to change our mind, our thinking. We have to understand what we have before we can really understand what God wants. You have to understand what, what you have. The cable TV, most of the world lives on what we pay for cable TV. Two dollars a day, half the world lives on that. We have to see it in that light. Because until we do, we'll continually struggle with gratitude, which we should be showing, and generosity. Right? That's the second point. It says be generous with what you've been given. Be generous with what you've been given. Let's finish out the scriptures back to First Timothy. The, verse 17 through 19, three verses. Listen to this. Teach those who are rich in the world not to be proud, not to trust their money. Don't put your hope in that. It's unreliable. Their trust should be in God. In who? God, God who richly gives us all we need. Check this out for our enjoyment. Did you hear that? God wants you to enjoy your money. God wants you to enjoy the things that money can buy. We have to get over the fact that, oh, God wants me to sell everything, get rid of everything, live under the bridge, or move to Africa. He might call you to do that. But for the most part, he doesn't. Okay? Some are called. And if you are, you should do whatever God says. But for the most part, He's not asking you to do that. He's not asking you to do that. He, for our enjoyment, I love that scripture. He wants you. He wants to bless you. I'm not, he wants to bless you so you can enjoy life. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the full. Not life to trudge, not life to struggle, not life to worry, but life to the full. See, he's okay if you have the Dodge Challenger, unless your pastor doesn't have it. Then you're supposed to give it to your pastor. You know all this, it's in the Bible. You get it? Holy cow, I don't have to tell you all that. Verse 18. Tell them to use their money to do good. You've been blessed with money? Use it to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous. There's the word. Say generous. Generous to those in need. Always be ready to share with others. By doing this, you'll be storing up your treasure. Wow, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? By doing this, you'll be storing up your treasure and a good foundation for the future, which isn't this world, by the way. Experience true life. Storing up your treasures, storing up your treasure. Part of the problem with me, when I wasn't, when I wasn't generous with people, and I'm, I'm still not where I need to be, I'll just be honest with you, but I'm getting there, I'm trying. And my issue was I wasn't managing my money well. And maybe you're there. I'll tell you, <laughs> it's not so much a money issue, but more of a lifestyle issue for me, or at least that's how it was. I just wasn't living smart. And I think a lot of people can relate. A, a Proverbs, it says in 2120, check this out, the wise have wealth and luxury. The wise. Wise people have wealth and luxury. Wealth is not a bad thing. I, I, I would love wealthiness. How do you describe that? You, you know, you can decide that. Luxury, this is not a bad thing. Wise people have that. Not rich, but wise people. But fools spend the money on whatever they get, right? It, it's the instant gratification. And that's how the world will get you. That's how advertisers will get you, is spending your money. Did you know last year, Americans paid 7 billion that's with a b billion in ATM fees. In ATM fees. That's only 2 bucks here, it's 5 bucks here. Yeah. It adds up. Last year and that last year we spent 65 billion dollars trying to win the lottery. Billion. Trying to win the lottery. You're ch- we're in a series called Alien. Your chances are better to get abducted by an alien than win the lottery. They are. You, you, in fact, your odds of winning the lottery, 1 in 195 million. But yet, you know what? I played the lottery. Before I got into ministry, I worked in the corporate world. And you know what? You, you, some of you, you've been here. You, everybody throws in their $2 in the pool. Somebody goes and gets the lottery tickets. Dude, I w- that was the most important part of my day. I'm, I'm like, I'm not missing that pool. I'm not missing that. Because the moment you miss it, what's going to happen? They're going to win the lottery. And you're stuck at work and they're partying, right, in Cabo. Right? Yeah, Kabul. That, I'm not going to let that. There were days I would call in for sick for work. I would still drive there and meet the lottery guy at noon. Like, here's my two bucks. You think we're doing drugs, drug deals out there? That came later. But, you know, I'm just saying. You know what I mean? We've been there. But, but think about what God is telling us. $65 billion. And you know who the number one demographic is playing the lottery? It's the people that have the least. Did you know that? The people that don't have the money to do it. that's who plays it because they're thinking this is my only chance this is my only hope to ever make it in the world american dream yeah right my american dream is the power bond that's my only hope to be happy and i'm telling you it's that's so that's so different from god's plan god says you don't have to hit the lottery to be happy you just need to surrender your life to me and i'll show you happiness i'll show you holiness i'll show you abundance i'll show you a new life i'll show you that in your life the best is truly yet to come that's what jesus says to you that's what he wants for you Man, the problem, and we're very me-centered. I'm guilty of this. Gosh, but listen to me. I wrote this down. When we keep our focus on ourselves and we spend more than we earn or even we spend all we earn, we miss out on the blessing of giving it away. God created us to be generous. God created you to be a giver. You might say, well, I just don't have a generous heart. You do. You may not acknowledge that or know it, but you do. Well, I'm just not a giver. Yeah, you are. I already know you are. I love you. I know you are. God's a giver. He created you in His image. He's a giver. For God so loved the world that He gave. All He does is give. All Jesus did on the earth give, give, give. He gave His time. He gave His power. He gave His resources. He gave His love. He gave His wisdom. He gave and gave and gave. And you're a giver. Don't ever forget that. You may not be living that out right now, but you're a giver. John Wesley said this make all you can so you can save all you can, so you can give all you can. That's what Wesley said. I wrote down, you know, the title of the message, you see it in your notes if you got the notes, if you don't have those, the title is uh, Give to Live. It was gonna be Live to Give. I'm like, well, we're supposed to, we should live to give. And God's like, you got it, you got it wrong. You, you need to give in order to live. Like, you can't live life. You will never live out your life unless you're giving. And I'm not just talking financially. That's a big piece of it because that's what we look at. And that's what Jesus was speaking more than anything else. But I am telling you, you are a giver. You are created to give. You have to give if you're going to live. But how do we do it? It's interesting. John D. Rockefeller, uh, the, the, the only billionaire in his time, 53 years old. He was the only billionaire. Do you know what he was doing? Dying at 53 years old because of his wealth. He was eating crackers, drinking milk, and that was it. And he was so worried and stressed about his money that he was literally wasting away. And all of a sudden, something radically changed in Ra- Rockefeller's life. And he started to give radically what he had. Guess what else changed radically? His health. He, he lived to be 98 years old. How did that happen? He, he-, he started to become a giver. This is-, this is what will happen in our life. But the world, again, it's a tough mindset because the world says, you got to get. If I'm going to live, if I'm going to eat, if I'm going to be living the life that God wants me to live, I need to get more, I need more, I need more, I need more. And God says, no, 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 you need to give, you need to give, you need to give. It's so different. Winston Churchill, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. I love that quote. It's an alien mindset, church. It's a challenging topic. Having gratitude for all you have and be generous with what you've been given, that's not the way the world lives, but it's the way that God wants you to live. And I want to show you how. I want to show you how. Because at the end of the day, listen to me, it's not a money problem. I told you that. It's, it's a lifestyle problem. And even if you want me to dig a little bit deeper and be honest with you, it's not even, it, it, it is a lifestyle problem, but it's a spiritual problem. See, you can invest in Wall Street all day long and you can have a 401k, and I recommend having a 401k. I recommend those things. But by the way, retirement's never even talked about in the Bible. That's something that we made. Again, the world did that. I don't think about retirement. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I call to do until they calls, God calls me home. But retirement is something we made up. I'm just telling you, It's a spiritual thing. It's not about your wallet. It's not about your purse. It's about your heart. And I'll be vulnerable because uh, I've committed to God that that's what I would be. Finances was the last thing I ever gave to God. Even when I was going to the church and I was saved, it was the last thing. And And the pastor would preach these messages, you know, similar to this and showing me scriptures and stuff. But I'm convinced of this. I wasn't giving because number one, I, I told myself I couldn't afford it. My gosh. Uh, uh, the, so the Bible says tithe, give 10% back to God. I remember go, going home and doing the math on 10%. I about flopped on the floor like a fish for a half hour. I'm like, there's no way that's ever going to happen. 10%, are you kidding me? Right? You, I don't have to ask net or gross. I can't, I can't afford either one, right? I couldn't do it. There's no way. And plus, I didn't understand. But, but God opened my eyes to this. And this is why I hope you're going to be excited as we preach what Jesus preached and what we talk about what Jesus talked about. God, I'm more blessed and I have more than I've ever had in my life, and I've never given more away. God's math makes no sense to me. I don't even understand it. I, I, to this day, I don't get it other, other than what Scripture tells me. I don't get it. I don't get it. But I need to tell you what God says, I need to show you what His Word says. I also need to share with you facts. Like Christians, people that call themselves followers of Jesus, you know what they give? Less than 2%, okay? Back to God through the church. That's 2%. That's what they give. I gave less than that, I think. I'm just going to be honest. I don't even think I gave 2%. But this would mean that 98% of what I had, say I was giving 2 98% of what I had I kept for myself. Like I kept for the world, you could say. Jesus said, store up your treasures in heaven. Okay, there's 1.5% for heaven, but... You know, 98.5% I'm going to leave on the earth. That's what I was doing. Just got to be honest with you. I just got to be honest. It's, it's normal is to keep what we have because we think if I have more, I have more. Jesus says the more you give, the more you have. It's a weird deal. And I'm not just saying this. Scripture's, scripture backs this up. I want to show you a scripture. Malachi 3.10. This is one of the scriptures that changed my life. Bring all the tithes. A tithe is ten percent. I've already established that. That's what tithe literally means. And and you're not even giving it. By the way, you you can't give what's not yours. It's all God's. He says, return ten percent to the storehouse. Right? Return it to the storehouse. Bring or return, not give. You're not. You can't give what's not yours. Return it to the storehouse. The storehouse is the local church. You can do the research on that. You can look up the theology on that. It is a local church. So there will be enough food. Remember I said earlier, we'll always take care of our people. You'll always have food. You'll always have a place to, to, to lay your head. You'll always have clothes on your back. How can we do that? It's when the church is the church, and they're obedient to God's word. Like, I never want to be a church. Let, let, hear my heart. I never want to take special offerings. I don't. Like, when we get a building someday, and we're not meeting at the Beardmore Event Center, I, I really don't want to do a capital campaign. I don't think we should ever have to. I never want our youth to go out and wa- wash cars. My gosh, have you seen youth kids wash cars? You don't even want that, okay? You don't even want that. But... I got a story about that, but I won't tell. I don't have time. Um, I don't want to do that. St- I don't. If we just did what God said, we don't have to do all the special. Oh, let's raise money here. Let's do a fundraiser. Here. No, I don't want to. I want to do what God's word says. But I wasn't doing it. And, and, I, and if you're not, you're the, you're, most people aren't. It's okay. I'll never judge you. If you never give a dime to this church, I will love you the same. I promise you that. Never will I judge you on that. I'll show you what God says, and I'll show you this. He doesn't want anything from you anyway. All he has is blessings for you. And I was missing out. I was missing out. My family was missing out. My kids were missing out because I didn't trust God. Bring all your ties to the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord, this is God, the heaven of the armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I mean, does that sound attractive to you? It does to me. I will pour out a blessing so great, you won't have enough room to take it in. And then he says, try it. Put me to the test. Like God is begging you, put me to the test. And I remember reading that scripture and I remember thinking, but I can't, I can't do it. I can't, I don't know how it works. So I had, they had to sit me down and help me do a budget and all that stuff. And that was great. And if you need help with that, call the church. We will help you with the budget. I'll do all that for, or we'll do all that for you. We'll help you. But what I didn't understand was this. it's, it's, it's obedience. God can't bless disobedience. And for some of you, you've been wondering why you've been working so hard, slaving so hard, but you can't get ahead, and you can't get ahead. You can never get where you want to be in your finances. You never will. You never will until you tithe. I never understood it. My pastor had to tell me, "You'll never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. You never will, because there's not a blessing in that area of your life." And then he shared with me the thing I've shared before: you, you get you get hundred dollars, you give ten back, the ninety is blessed, and the ninety go farther than the hunter would go without God's blessing. That's what, that's what blew me away. And yet I still didn't, I, I, you know, I get it, but I still didn't trust it until I did it. That's why, it, it, until I put God to the test, I literally put him to the test. That's the only way he could prove it to me because I, I'm like, God, I don't get your math. There's no way that's true. There's no way. And God says that, I know you're gonna think that, Monty. That's why I said, it's the only time in scripture, by the way, that God ever says, test him. It's the only time. It's the only time. It's the only time. Can I tell you this? If every Christian in America tithe, just return 10% and we're obedient, check it out. We would have enough money to feed and clothe every child in the world. And we would have millions of dollars left over to do ministry. Half the world lives in poverty. It's not Satan's issue. It's our issue. It's, we don't have, a, we don't have a, a, a devil problem. We have an us problem. I had a me problem. I didn't trust God. I didn't trust Him. And some of you, you're, you're there right now. I get it, and I will never judge you for it because I've been there. I've been there. I just need you to hear my heart. Your action for you, besides the gratitude, is this. Maybe you're not giving it all, and maybe you're like, I can't take a step to 10%. That's insane. You're like me flopping on the floor, right? Maybe just take a step, and you're going to, whatever it is, it might be $5. It might be $5 a week just because, because you can't get here unless you first do this, Right? It might just be that. But you can't do it based on emotion. You can't do it based on feeling. You got to do it based on trusting God. That's what you have to do it. So I would say from now until the end of the year, put God to the test till December 31st, okay? Do it. do it, do it. Not because the pastor said it, because God said it. And maybe you're giving, but you're not yet to 10% in tithing, which is by the way, what breaks the curse and where the blessings start to flow. That's my goal is to get you there because I want something for you. I don't want nothing from you. Again, take money out of the base. I don't care. I don't care. I'll scatter it all right here. Take it. I don't want people to think, oh, the church is watching money. I could care less. God's building his church. A month ago, I'll just end with this story. But God has to change your heart. A month ago, a gal calls me. It's Monday, so we've had service, and it's Monday. She goes to the church, and she says, Pastor, I want to meet with you, and it's Monday. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? She goes, oh, well, we didn't give our tithe yesterday, and I want to bring you the tithe. And I'm like, well, you can, I mean, it's okay. You can just bring it, you know, next week or whatever. It's no big deal. She goes, no, 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 I, I want to, I we want to give it first. We want to we do what we're supposed to do, and I just want to get it to you. And I thought, first of all, I thought, well, that's kind of a hassle. You know, you're going to, whatever. But then I thought, how cool is that? I mean, this gal is so excited about bringing her tithe and they missed yesterday, so she wants to like meet the pastor to give it to me. I'm like, that's okay. That's not, that's, that's different thinking. I thought, okay. All right. I said, well, this is where I'm going to be. I got an appointment here. I said, if you want to drive around Omaha and meet me there to give it to me, that's cool. She's like, I'll do it. I'm like, all right. So I go there and she shows up there and she hands me an envelope and gives me your tithe. And we talk for a little bit. And then she says this, I didn't think give it much thought at the time, but she says, I need you to pray for us. I need you to pray for me. I lost my job. So I just need you to pray that God will show me a job. And she says, I believe it's a blessing because I wasn't doing what I'm called to do, and I believe God's opening a door. And I'm like, wow, so you don't have a job, but yet yeah, you, you drove around town using your gas to give me your tithe. All right. I said, I definitely, I'll pray with you, and I'll pray for you, and we'll do that. Didn't think anything of it, had my appointment, did my thing, Got home. And I forgot about it, honestly. I get home, and I'm sitting uh, in my garage, and I'm like, oh, yeah, the, the Tide. And I grab the envelope, and it's kind of thick. And I'm like, gosh, you must have, I don't know if it was ones or fives. And I, you know, I thought, well, you know, let's see what's going on here. And I, I, I opened the envelope, and uh, it was hundreds, and a lot of them. And now all of a sudden, I was paranoid. And I start looking behind me, and it's like I broke the law all of a sudden. I'm like, my gosh, what the heck? It's like a drug deal did go down. And I'm looking through this envelope, wadded with $100 bills, and I'm freaking out. I mean, I was like, I hope they didn't kill anybody, you know? Uh, Just kidding. But I'm like, what's going on here? It was... So I think to myself, well, I'm going to call her, you know, make sure I got the right envelope for one thing. Um... And just to express gratitude, again, one of you, I mean, this is an extravagant, extravagant gift. And I'm like, I mean, I'm half freaked out, half excited, but it was a lot of money. So I call her and I said, I'm blown away here. I said, I just see what you gave and this is what's going on. And I I said, you don't have to tell me anything, but she's like, no, no, no. She goes, it's okay. She goes, well, we just, we, uh. We had a, a piece of land, and we sold it. So that's, you know, we wanted to give you the tithe off that. And, and I'm like, I can't. in a, a church plan, I mean, this is, it was a lot of money. And then then God brought me back to what she said earlier, and it really hit me. I don't have a job. I lost my job. Pray for me. So here's a woman who lost her job, has no job. They don't, and it's, it, they're a family just like most of us, okay? It's not... They're not living high on the hog. That's why I was like, wow. And I'm sitting in my car looking at this, and I'm like, and I immediately smiled, and I said, God has her heart. God has her heart. There's no other way you can do something like that. There's no other way that happens unless God has your heart. Could have easily said, you know what, we're going to tithe off the income, but that's a sale, that's something separate, and we need it because I don't have a job. It's so easy to justify all that. She's driving around the city begging me to take it. that's what I want for you. And, if you. and if you still think that it's about me wanting something from you, you're missing it. I love you. I want blessings for your life, but God can't bless what we don't say, what we don't do in his word. And I think of gratitude and the gratitude she had. I just talked to her this weekend, still doesn't have a job. Still full of blessings. Still full of, oh my gosh, God's doing something. I've got applications out here and here and here. I don't know what God's doing. And she's still got this demeanor and this glow about her that only God can give. So think about that for a second. Think about how, don't you wish, I'm learning. I mean, the church continually teaches me about generosity and about obedience. My gosh, I want that. I want more of that. I want you to have more of that. Don't you wish it was that? Think about for a second this. If you're a follower of Jesus, think about the gift that you've been given through Jesus Christ. I think about where my life was and where it is today. I cannot help but beat down the doors of the church. Giving the tithe is the first thing I do. It's joyful now, but it wasn't always the case, okay? But you'll get there. I believe you will. You'll get there. Just take a step. Take a step of action. Take a step of trust. Let us help you if we can. We'll do whatever we can to walk you in that journey. But if you're a follower of Jesus, think about this for a second. The extravagant gift you've been given through Christ. Do you know what he says to you? I offer you mercy. I offer you grace. I offer you forgiveness. I offer you salvation. Think of the gift from your Father. You, you want to know what's not normal? Here's what's not normal. A man named Jesus came down, lived a life, and never did anything wrong. Like, he was perfect. Well, we killed him. We crucified him on a cross. That's not normal. Here's what else isn't normal. Jesus would say, basically hanging on a cross, you know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to give you credit for everything I did right in this world. I give you credit. And by the way, I'm going to take the blame for everything that you did wrong. See, this is the good news of Jesus. This is what he offers. And I'm telling you, it's better than any Powerball. It's better than any jackpot. It's better than any fame. And it's better than any fortune. The good news of Jesus Christ is that he gave it all up for you so that you might live for him. Give to live. It's a, it, I, I got to stop saying it's a challenging topic it's an exciting topic it's not just finances, he wants to bless your life the most blessed people I know give the most, you know that it's biblical I'm going to ask you to close your eyes let me pray Father I want to thank you so much for your word and your truth you are such a good God, you are a gift giver but God if we're honest a lot of us, we put the gifts before you and that's a natural, human, sinful thing that we do as sinners, God. But today I'm asking that you do something different. I'm asking for me and everybody in our church that you'll give us courage and give us power and give us the fortitude to take a step of action when it comes to gratitude. To t- 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 take a step of action when it comes to giving and generosity, God, and trust you with the results. And God, I'm gonna say this. We just talked about the gifts that are, we get through your son, Jesus. And there's a lot of them. But yet I know there's people in this place, God, that they don't know Jesus. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. And this is how we're saved. The Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God, I'm praying that for those that have strayed from you, or maybe they've never known you and they've never surrendered You to you, God, I pray that today they will surrender their lives. They will pray with us. We will celebrate with them. And we will give you all the glory. Because we know, God, that in you the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says... Hey, wherever you are, thanks so much for joining us today. We are so glad that you did. And if this blessed you in any way, man, we would love for you to subscribe to this channel, follow us on social media, and stay connected with us. And let me say most importantly, if you are ready to give your life to Christ or you want to make a decision for Jesus today, we would love it, man. Connect with us. Contact us at hello at meadows.church. Again, hello at meadows.church. Let us know what God is doing this, God loves you